and welcome to this week's Dairy Dialogue podcast, number 169. And as I've just come back from the ice cream and artisan food show, that's the theme for this week. I'm Jim Cornell, editor of Dairy Reporter, and my voice is pretty much shot after doing lots of interviews and singing in the car all the way from and to the event. I did plan on recording this introduction at the show, complete with background noises, but for some reason the person with a microphone doing demos decided that they would speak at exactly the same time as I did every time I tried to do the recording, so I left it until I got home. One of the reasons that the theme is the ice cream show, other than the obvious in that I was there, is the fact that when I'm travelling it's not easy to do other interviews. Generally, the interviews that I do do at shows are a little bit shorter, so it means the podcast today will be a bit shorter too. And I should point out that all of the interviews are also videos, so when I find the time to edit them, you'll be able to find those on DairyReporter.com as well. Finding time to do the editing is the key there. It was a great trip, no snow except at the tops of some of the hills in Scotland on the way down, and only one vehicle incident when a car tried to force me to stop when it was my right of way, and then got mad when I followed the rules. But that was right at the beginning of the journey, so that was okay. I survived the four-hour drive, I'm not sure with how many CDs, although I've got the radio set to break in whenever there's traffic news, and of course, every time it did, none of it was anywhere near where I was. And most of the driving was in the dark when I was going down there, so you don't get to see anything interesting. And I know that if you're listening to this in North America that it's going to sound weird, but getting food at nine at night was a bit of a challenge, even if it is a town of about 75,000. Anyway, the weather was great, and certainly better than where I live. Everyone was friendly and helpful. I was also a little bit shocked that unlike in Scotland, no one was wearing a mask anywhere. But the show, as I expected, was great, super easy to get my pass, and I got lots of good interviews. On the way back, I took a different route. It added an hour, but there was much more to see, and it took me to places I'd never been to before. I spent a couple of hours in Durham, which is a really beautiful city, and went to see the big sculpture called the Angel of the North, which is in the north of England, obviously, but it's south of where I live. But it's very big and very cool, although I was a little bit surprised at how small the parking area was. Definitely enough for this time of year, but I can imagine it's a bit of a headache in tourist season. Then it was back over into Scotland, and because I was running low on fuel, I had to do a bit of mental calculation to figure out how little I would have to buy to get home because those highway service station prices are about 25% higher than you'd normally pay. And of course, once home, the fun begins of uploading all the videos, catching up on hundreds of emails, and opening the physical mail. And catching up on eating too. Well, at least eating healthily, not car snacks. And that reminds me, I also have to clean out the car. At the event, there was a range of companies, from printing to processing equipment, ice cream vans to coffee, containers to, of course, lots of different flavors of ice cream. Some great flavors too, and some amazing presentation. There were also competitions and food demos, 
And as I mentioned at the beginning, every time I tried to do an interview or tried to talk, it coincided with someone with a microphone doing a cooking demo. Anyway, from the six videos that I took, I've taken the audio from three of them for this week's podcast. One was an obvious choice. It was to get an overview of how the event had been from Zelika Carr, CEO of the Ice Cream Alliance, which runs the event. We also chatted with Zoe Philipson, director of Tyne Valley Ices, who won some awards at the show. And spoiling the first names all beginning with the letter Z theme, Joe Yates, who is the development and training chef at Carpigiani. And now it's tenuous link time, because obviously Charlie Highland from Stonex wasn't at the show. But he is at a show, and that's Golf Food in Dubai. And of course there are plenty of ice cream exhibitors there as well. Also taking place in Dubai at the moment is Expo 2020, which looks absolutely amazing, so I'm not jealous of Charlie one bit. Maybe several bits. Anyway, Charlie is being totally dedicated, and we have our weekly update on the global dairy markets all the way from the UAE. And that brings us belatedly to the news from the past seven days that you may have missed. There wasn't a whole lot of it this week, which always seems to be the case when you're on the road. So here we go. We had an article on another ice cream show, a preview of Sijep in Rimini, Italy. There's a new CEO at Food Union Group, based in Latvia. And SPX Flow debuted new technology for homogenizers to reduce water consumption by up to 97%. Brain Biotech and Formo partnered on producing animal-free milk protein. Arla saw an increase in revenue, and Group Bell announced a new carbon reduction commitment. The company Wilk received a U.S. patent for cell-based milk production methods. GFI acquired plant-based brand Yofit, and DSM published its annual results. A UK food packaging company introduced a fully recyclable dairy packaging concept. Coca-Cola brand Fairlife hit the $1 billion mark for sales. The Philippines and Qatar are set to partner on a $500 million integrated dairy project. And Kerry made two biotechnology company acquisitions. And you can read all of these and plenty more at dairyreporter.com. And so now it's to our first interview from the Ice Cream and Artisan Food Show, and that's with Joe Yates, development and training chef at Carpigiani. Because what caught my eye was the fact that the company, which among other things makes ice cream equipment, also runs Gelato University. Yeah, so could you tell me a little bit about Gelato University? Okay, so Carpagiani have started the university uh, many years. It started off in Italy and it's grown since there. We've now gone to the UK. And for the last few years, we've been doing the Gelato University. I've actually been getting involved in the last two years since I've joined. We take on people from many backgrounds. It might be that uh, you're just starting out or you just want to refresh or actually you want to advance in what you do. So we always start out with the welcome to Gelato. And we go through all the, the, the basics of it, showing how our machines can help and, and how you can develop from a map. Uh, showing all different things from in a van to bricks and mortar and beyond. From that we do the basic course where we can teach people basic introduction on how to make it. 
and following through in the intermediate and advanced show more and more different applications so it'll be things like uh, gelato cakes stick gelato and other options that you can do from there so yeah we you know we welcome anyone who wants to come along and join the university and so there are different courses different levels and different things that you cover. yeah so the basics will, uh, like I say the basic will introduce yourself it will go through the process of making it from scratch introducing all the different ingredients uh, what we do with those right the way through to uh, psychology of gelato so that's something that I've brought in how perception of the shape or the color or how it's uh, laid out in a cabinet so we do a lot about the psychology we work a lot with uh, flavors as well uh, what flavors are on trend at the moment and also world flavors because obviously Carpajani is a world company so we're always getting information from uh, Japan from China from uh, America uh, and across Europe and places like that so we can take all that information and then we can feed it all out so we can get good information across the globe is it a physical campus or is it online both so we, we do a, a, an online presence we've been doing that for the last year during uh, the pandemic so uh, just getting the information out to people but again yeah we've got you know, three uh, kitchens throughout the UK one in Glasgow one in Hereford and one in London just outside Wembley and we can invite people along there to do the courses so not only can they get the information but they can also try it and feel it and taste it so that's what we're, we're, we're most proud of and how do people get involved? Yeah, you go through to our Carpajani website UK and it can be booked through there. Equally, if you wanted to go to Bologna, carpajani.com and you can book classes over there. It's a nice trip. You get to go, go to Italy for a few days and learn about gelato and it's a great experience. Also over there, we've got a dedicated museum of gelato. I think we're the only company uh, that will be doing things like that. We can actually see the, the history of gelato and see how, where it's come from to where it is now. Right, and is there a charge for the courses? Uh, yes, there is a charge for the courses. It depends on which courses you're going to be going on. And obviously, Italy will be a different charge to the UK. But um, it's all on the website. It's all there to, uh, mm -hmm. to try. And do you get a degree at the end of it? Or? Yes, you do. You do. Yeah. No, we, we also do uh, certificates at the end of that to say that you've come on the course and people are proud to, to present it and hang it in their uh, gelateria. It's been many years since I was at university, but Gelato University I think I could handle, especially if it involves eating lots of it. You could get a BSc, which is a big sugar cone, which I just made up. Maybe if you get good at placing the ice cream in sprinkles, you'd get a diploma. I'll stop there as my jokes stoop to an all-time low. They won't win any awards, that's for sure, which is in complete contrast to Zoe Philipson, who is director of Tyne Valley Ices and she picked up two awards at the show, which I will let her tell us about. All right, so I guess if you can tell me a bit about the company first. Okay, then yeah, so I'm Zoe from Time Valley Ices. Uh, we're manufacturers, mobilers and wholesalers in the ice cream industry. We manufacture top and syrups that you'd see on the sauce. So like strawberry, chocolate, raspberry and quirky little flavours like Vimto, Skittles and chocolate orange. Because of our mobile and I've just won Mobile of the Year as well. And then we do a little bit of everything and it's great to be here. 
you want a was that new product of the yes year? we would new product for our luxury range of white chocolate sauce which we just launched this week so uh, it was really really good to be awarded for that and credited for the for the hard work that's gone into it so we're happy to be taking that back to the northeast as well yeah. and what is that what, what kind of so instead of it being more like a kids product so um normally you'd see like a strawberry or a raspberry on top of a 99 this is more of a luxury product you might be have it with ice cream on the side of a waffle or a dessert or like a sundae or something like that. it's really um the consistency is different and it's much richer in flavor and what's the what kind of ingredients yeah is it, is it? i mean it's quality ingredients going in to make a quality product you can't use anything else you know you're talking cream of the crop ingredients to get such a, a high-end product out there and where are you going to be selling that if it's only just come out who's going to what's the target yeah the target audience would be mobilers essentially but i think the parlors would be able to get a lot more creative with it like i say putting it on top of waffles you know on top of your sundays and your parlors will be good for and seeing what they're going to do with it excites me as well so lots to come yeah yeah and do you sell just in the uk um, no, we do send it out all over the place, really, but mainly UK. We're based in the northeast, and then we kind of um, work outwards, so as far down as like London, on the coast, and then all the way up to Scotland. Send it out all over the place, yeah. Mm-hmm. And mobile of the year, what's that involve? Yeah, mobile of the year. So basically, I am officially the best in the country as mobile, and so your ice cream van that you'd see at events or going around, I'm the cream of the crop. It was awarded last night. We had to do an interview. We got narrowed down into three finalists and then a judging panel done an interview yesterday and then we got we got announced last night. So yeah, I won that one. Yeah, and what, what are the criteria for winning that? Difficult to say. I mean, obviously there's like a set of questions that they do ask. Uh, on the application, they'll go through your trading history, uh, what's your thoughts on mobile in, uh, you kind of tell them a little bit about yourself, any future plans. And then when it comes down to the nitty gritty of it, they want to know what you've done, what you're going to do in the future as well, because that's just as important. And really how the award would affect you and how it would make you feel. Obviously, it's a fantastic opportunity and a brilliant, I don't even think it's sank in yet. What do you do as a mobile? As you can imagine, just going out and about in the ice cream van, supplying obviously we could do like school fates and shows events weddings uh, we've got the trike and the barrel here as well today just showcasing everything that we do we're quite versatile we cater for everyone as much as possible and uh, making sure that everyone's happy and um, yeah just getting out there and doing what we do best and what, what do you sell from is it just like a regular ice cream van or yeah, I mean, I try and stay ahead of the game and try and be as creative as possible. So obviously you still get your traditional 99, you know, your ice cream with your flake and uh, you get your luxury products like your sugar cone, your smoothie twists and, you know, that with a flake as well. But then I like to try and be a little bit different and put extra toppings on. Obviously my sauce helps as well and try and just cater for all as well. It's really important nowadays to have like your vegan options and your gluten-free ice cream. We cover all that basis as well. Yeah. With having a van, sustainability is becoming a big issue as well. How do you yes, tackle I, that? I mean, one of, one of our main promises is to, to be sustainable as possible. So you've always got to keep up to date with current affairs. You've got to, like plastic waste. Nobody wants single-use plastic. So all our stuff, we have edible ice cream tubs. So obviously you can get plastic ones or you can get cardboard ones. But we've actually gone one step further and got edible ones, which is genius, <laughs> if you ask me. So there's no waste at all. We go on the promise of staying one step ahead, looking at trends, trying to make them as environmentally friendly as possible 
and then going from there. And has it started to improve with the pandemic? Are you get coming out of that? Or? It's definitely been interesting. We're all adapting to the new normal, doing our best. Again, staying ahead of the ahead of the crowd, I, so, I suppose. Um, the government changes daily, so it's hard to keep on top of it. I'm excited to get back to the events. We've missed them. We've missed the weddings that haven't been going on. But the local support and the support of the regulars coming out of the van safely as well. Everyone's abided by the rules. It's been fantastic, to be fair. We're lucky we've survived it, and that's the main thing. And then we can only move on from it. Yeah, and any plans for the next year, like new products or anything? Or are you just, um, just bask in the glory of winning? Yeah, I, I, would, I would imagine the next year is going to be going to be busy. On the source side of things, winning best new product, I imagine that'll just continue all year now. Mobile of the year, I'm going to have a bit of fun with that, see where that takes me. Also, I can imagine that being very busy as well. So, yeah, exciting times. Yeah, great. Oh, congratulations. Thanks. Thank you. Zoe's company is based in Hexham, which is close to Hadrian's Wall, a Roman wall designed to keep those from the north out. I drove through Hexham on the way home. Definitely worth a visit if you're ever in that region, and not just for the Roman Wall. It's a very pretty little town. I say little, it's about 250 times bigger than the village I live in, which has zero tourist attractions. And that brings us to a quick overview of the event with the CEO of the organizers of the Ice Cream and Artisan Food Show, and that is the Ice Cream Alliance. And it's someone who's been on the podcast many times, Zelika Carr. How's it gone, first time back after the pandemic? Yeah, it's been really, really, it's gone really, really well, and it's been really exciting to come back together again. We hadn't realised how much we have actually missed people and the sort of human contact, this, you know, face-to-face, nothing beats it. You know, even though we've all kept communicating and use Zoom, it's nothing like coming to an exhibition and actually tasting products or seeing products. We had an exhibitor meeting this morning, they're absolutely delighted how it's gone. We've had registered over 1,800 people to come and we still have 400 new people who have arrived at the events that we hadn't registered. So uh, surprisingly, after such a sort of unsettled start, how you know, great it's been. And any highlights? Highlights? Oh, well... If you're thinking about, you know, products, yeah, it's just great to see them. You know, lots and lots of ice cream, unusual flavours as usual. I can't say any more than just being back together is the highlight, really, and being able to have an exhibition. And the reaction from everybody that I've spoken to has been positive, so I think everybody else is of the same opinion. It's just good to be talking to their own customers again. Absolutely, and we've had a lot of people that normally wouldn't travel to come, so whether it's because of uh, the pandemic and people got used to travelling a little bit more and not worrying about it, that's been great for us. That's right. and, yeah. I, and I suppose Sidjet being after you instead of before you makes a difference. Yeah, and some of our exhibitors who would normally actually showcase out there have said it's been great. They've come here quite refreshed because normally you know it's it's on the back of their show they're coming to ours so it's been great yeah really really good for us and the numbers are good in terms of attendance yeah absolutely yes up on 2020 yeah we had probably pre-registration we had 80% more than we had in 2020 so yeah that's been lovely have you already started on next year yes yes we're already going to start selling next year's show that's the uh, 7th of the night i have to get my dates right in 2023 so all the exhibitors here get first option on their existing stands and then we put it out to general sale in the middle of march 
although there is the opportunity to expand a little bit isn't oh it, absolutely if, if they want to do that then we have to do that after everyone has the you know the opportunity to rebook and then we guess we can start moving people around then and are there any um like promotions and things that you're doing for 2022 i know you did the staycation thing last yeah. year i don't not off the top at the moment i just think um to support our members getting through another season which i think is going to be uh, very difficult due to um, supplies and the cost of supplies it's going to be our next task to ship things into the UK at the moment. I mean, those costs have gone up tremendously, like 80%, you know, not the normal 5% that they're used to. So it's just them being able to survive because they won't be able to pass on that cost. It's one thing after another, isn't it? It, it was is. a pandemic and now it's just rising costs. It is, absolutely, absolutely. And we're just not immune from it. So. Mm. But at least having an organisation like yours is a good support mechanism for the industry. Absolutely, yes. You know, we do support our members. We keep them up to date for all the guidance. And like you said, you know, during the pandemic, we were able to advise people how to do takeaway businesses, which has been great for them because lots of them have maybe thought about it in the past, never got round to it. And then suddenly we had to, to make that big leap. Mm. So, yeah, that's been great. And then you throw Brexit in and it's like a perfect store, is it? It is. What else can be checked at this? But I think we're very resilient. The ice cream market is very resilient and it's a very fun product, which is always great. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's all good, really, in that respect. And it's something as well that you don't really think of ice cream as being something that's ripe with innovation, but there clearly is a lot. Oh, absolutely. I would notice in the last 15 years since I've been in the organisation, especially the last five, is the innovation that's come in. And also because um, people's uh, tastes have changed. You know, vegan has been massive in the last two years. So, of course, all our um, supply houses have had to adapt to that, which makes it accessible to more people now, that's for sure. And now it's time for our weekly look at the global dairy markets with Charlie Highland. And he's not in Ireland this week. He's in Dubai at Gulf Food. And I'm not in the slightest bit jealous. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Jim. Uh, well, this week we're uh, attending Gulf Food in Dubai, which is one of the biggest trade shows of the year. And it's often a really good place to gauge kind of market sentiment. And certainly at the moment, the sentiment um, on the physical side at least feels bullish. There is quite a lot of talk of very high prices uh, being quoted everywhere, basically from all origins. We did have a GDT auction yesterday as well, which was a big point of conversation over here also. There we saw prices increase considerably again, uh, up 4.2% on average. And pretty much it was every product was, was higher. Um, whole milk was up 4.2% as well. Skim milk powder was very strong, up 6%. Uh, and butter up over 5% also. So certainly there's still a concern in the market that the milk supply is just not sufficient to satisfy the current demand. There's concern that stock levels are, are quite low. But also on the counter argument, more and more people are starting to discuss uh, price inflation across the board and the concern around what that's ultimately going to have uh, in terms of demand. So it's very hard to quantify that at this stage. And at, at the moment, uh, everyone's really focusing on short term where there is or appears to be a, a lack of availability of product. So that's keeping prices high. And I guess everyone's waiting to see what, what's going to change that. Farmer margins are starting to get good uh, in most regions now. So uh, at some point there will be a supply response from that. But that's lagged and it probably won't be until uh, late quarter two before we start to see that. So in the meantime, not a lot of reason for the markets to, to move down in the, in the short term. At least that's the, the mood from, from Dubai. 
Great, thanks Charlie. We'll talk to you again next week when you'll no doubt be back in the rain like the rest of us. StoneX provides risk management and margin hedging programs and services, as well as OTC hedging tool and M&A advisory services to the global dairy industry. And that's it for another podcast. It sure was great to be out and about and somewhere different again, and to not be wearing a mask, and also not to be completely soaked. Although I admit it did feel a bit weird not to be wearing a mask. I managed to break a second pair of glasses this week coming out of a store, when I ripped my mask off and promptly snapped the arm off the glasses, so I had to drive home with sunglasses on, and I'm sure people were wondering why I was trying to look so cool with sunglasses when it was pouring with rain. The forecast for the rest of the week here is nice. Two storms, potential flooding, snow and high winds. My step count is about to sink like a stone, and I could have used some exercise after too many ice cream samples. Anyway, wherever in the world you may be, I hope you have a great week ahead. Take care, stay safe, and, as always, thanks for listening.